Welcome back, lovely friends. You're listening to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm delighted to have you here today. Exploring the Seasons of Life is a metaphor for understanding the complexities of being alive. It's a gentle reminder that our journey is filled with ups and downs, joys and sorrows, and moments of both growth and stagnation. It's within these seasons that we learn, we evolve, and we become the best versions of ourselves. And I have the privilege of connecting with incredible women who are dedicated to exploring the many facets of life. Our conversations are centered around self-love, well-being, and mindset as we seek to understand how these elements shape our experiences and perspectives. It's an absolute joy to have Cindy Kipley join us today on the podcast. Cindy is not your average individual. She's a business professional, dog mom, yogi, marathon runner, outdoor enthusiast, mountain trekker, biker, weekend warrior, explorer, and world traveler. She embraces the world as her playground. From boardrooms to mountain peaks, she immerses herself in diverse cultures, forging connections and leaving her mark on every path she treads. Her adventurous spirit knows no bounds, making her a true citizen of the world. Welcome to the show, Cindy. I am so happy you're here. Hi, Cindy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to uh, be on this podcast with you today. I, I want to invite our listeners, before we get started, to find a cozy nook, gather their favorite notebook, get a warm cup of tea, and open their heart and their mind to the possibilities of inspiration and self-discovery that awaits us. Because, Cindy, I, and I told you this, I'm, like, so proud of you. I'm just, like, Every time I hear of you doing one of these mountain treks, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, she's so amazing. I know, and I'm going to go ahead and just mention this. I know that you developed a love of mountain trekking in 2004. And I'm only going to mention a couple of the the ones that I think people will be most familiar with. And you can expand on it as we go through. But you also hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu in 2009. You summited Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, in September of 2019. And you've recently added Everest Base Camp, which you successfully trekked 10 days, 40 miles in Nepal, arriving April 18th, 2023, 17,598 feet. Yeah, yeah, um... It it is, and I think that's the highest I ever need to go again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that I want to talk to you about, obviously, is is your hiking and leadership. But and I've mentioned this to you before about a website called Ageist, and I love, love, love the profiles of these individuals who are over fifty. And they're like fearlessly scaling mountains. They're pinning their first novels, embarking on entrepreneurial ventures, like whether it's opening a coffee shop or founding their own companies, it's awe-inspiring. So let me just ask you, what are your thoughts on being 56 and hiking to Everest Base Camp? 
Well, first of all, my first thought was, whew, I did it. And I also said, you know what? I am a badass. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. I don't like to swear, but I'm like, I'm a badass. I can be a successful businesswoman during the day, during the week, but on my weekends and on vacation, I, I'm adventurous and I like to kind of push push my body and my mind past the, that comfort zone to accomplish uh, a goal or a mission. And that's what I that's what I felt um, when I went to Everest Base Camp. I'm 56, and I live at sea level here in Florida. Checking uh, to that elevation of 17,598, you know, you, you have fear, like, oh, am I, am I going to make it? That Because you hear of altitude sickness and people getting injured. You always have that fear in the back of your mind, but you just wake up each day, I'm like, I'm going to get through today's trek. And I prepared well, and I have a positive mindset, and I'm going to do it. So, I mean, overall, I just think age is only a number. I don't feel 56. Uh, Well, maybe after doing that hike, I probably felt 86 (laughs) at the end of that hike. I was very uh, exhausted. I first got the idea to hike there from some fellow checkers when I was on Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. They had mentioned it, and that's kind of what led me to investigate Um, and explore that adventure. You mentioned you heard about it, you know, when you were in, in Africa on another track, but was there any other kind of motivation for you to take that hike? Like one of the the people that said they had hiked Mount Everest Base Camp, they said, oh, I didn't train for it at all. And it was easier than Mount Kilimanjaro. And this person was older than me and uh, was a gentleman and not, didn't seem to be um, in great physical shape. And I thought, if he can do it, I can do it because I think I'm a little more in shape and um, a little bit younger. And I, you know, I've got good willpower. So I just, I guess after hearing that a normal, regular person can hike this trek to the base camp, that's what motivated me to sign up and do it. You know, you've signed up for it, you have this in the future, so it's kind of like no going back at that point, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not one that usually cancels or backs out of things. There were four of us that signed up. One was my good friend, Aleda, and then uh, two relatives, my brother and a brother-in-law. They both had to back out, and but I'm like, I'm still going, so... <laughs> Good for you. So you must, Cindy, you must have seen some amazing things during your time on the mountain. Can you share some of your memorable moments? Well, yes. Um, My trip started out with, um, I fainted on the airplane. Now, you may think it's funny, but it actually does happen occasionally. And so um, that that started out my, my trip on my 14-hour flight, but I got through it. I was a little weak my first two days of my trip, but I recovered. I just you know, I had to hydrate a lot and kind of eat carefully. But once I got past that, once we started hiking, um, I was amazed at these porters that would pass us, and they would carry two, like our porter, he carried 
me and my friend's duffel bags, plus his backpack, plus a box of fresh fruit that was served to us every night for dessert. So I, I was just, that, that was pretty amazing there. Also, um, you start walking and these yaks pass you by. Well, not only yaks, but mules and horses and ox, <laughs> all kinds of four-legged animals. And they're carrying big packs on their back. Hopefully they had a weight limit too. I'm not sure what the rules are for the animals, but um, so that, that was a memorable item. And then there was a porter, he was carrying three like thin mattresses on his back up to base camp. And I'm like, okay, well, someone's going to have a comfortable sleep up in base camp. And then one of the unique things I saw was when you're higher up on the mountain past the tree line, there's not a lot of wood to keep a fire going. So in our tea house, which is a hotel, the only place there's heat is in the dining room and they only heat up the stove in the evening time for dinner. So that's where you would go to get warm, read a book, eat your dinner, etc. Well, instead of putting sticks or something else, they were putting yak dung in the stove and that's what was burned to keep the dining hall warm. So it was amazing use of resources. And I think the most beautiful view I'm always going to remember in my mind is at the end of the trek, we hopped on a helicopter and flew that back to the starting point. So I looked down and I saw the Kumbu Glacier Valley and I saw the trails that we had hiked on for 10 days. And it was just really neat to see that view from the helicopter. Uh, I can imagine, Cindy, this is you're looking down and you're looking at all those trails. That yeah. must have been one of the times when you were going, I did that. I did that. Exactly, because you could look down and see these little dots. And that was those are people walking on the trail. I'm like, oh, I did that. I was I was on that trail. So it, it was a, a gave you a great feeling of accomplishment. I bet it did. I'm curious, what did you eat for dinner? <laughs> okay, well, um, funny you should ask. Um, I, I actually have a, I follow a gluten-free diet um, for health reasons. And so, it also keep in mind that we were told not to eat meat past Namche Bazaar, so past a certain elevation where they didn't have electricity to keep food cold. So we were told, no, just kind of be vegetarian. So for a week, I ate a lot of uh, like soup for dinner, like um, onion soup, garlic soup, potato soup. And then for like breakfast, um, I'd have a boiled egg or maybe fried potatoes with the fried egg on it. So it was kind of a basic very basic meals, nothing fancy. Um, I couldn't eat, you know, pasta and pizza or noodles or, or things like that. And then I supplemented with like uh, energy bars, protein bars, and electrolytes is what I supplemented with because I, I burned through those, you know, soup doesn't give you a whole lot of calories to trek on. So I did supplement with, you know, energy goo packets and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I was just curious, you know, because I know that I had to use up a lot of energy on that hike. So I was wondering what you were eating. <laughs> yeah. Now, also, too, as you got in the higher altitudes, like above 15,000 feet, your appetite um, lessens. So you just eat soup and, you you know, you, you don't want to eat a big meal because your stomach's maybe feeling a, a little bit queasy. And that's just being in the high altitude. So you do eat a little bit less. Oh, I have to say Snickers bars. <laughs> Snickers were, were my, um, I would allow myself uh, one to two Snicker, small Snickers a day uh, to bring me quick energy. Being a woman and venturing into the world of travel, I mean, that's, Cindy, that's a journey of empowerment and self-discovery, which is what this whole podcast is about. And I wanted to ask you, why do you think we as women find it so difficult to travel alone or even maybe with another girlfriend? Well, number one, for us women that are working, it's we're very busy and it's very hard to coordinate schedules with um, a friend uh, that way. It's also not always easy to find someone with the same interests as you to go to the same places and at the same time that you're available. Also, um, you know, safety. There's still kind of a, a stigma about, you know, when women traveling alone, you, you, you do have to be careful. And, uh, you know, I have a little bit of that fear. Um, so I'm always kind of cognizant of that. What I found interesting, Cindy, is uh, the gentleman I sat next to me on my plane ride home was from Malaysia. And he looked at me, and, and I had a couple men in Nepal ask me this. They said, well, what is your age? And I told them I'm 56. And they were like, you did this hike? You're traveling all by yourself on the plane? Like, they thought it was odd that as a single woman, I was on this 15-hour flight back to the U.S. But I think in the in the U.S. that's kind of normal that we travel alone. But internationally, I guess they don't do that in their countries. Women don't travel alone or do um, these adventures like that. And I also think that when women travel alone or even with another girlfriend, they're kind of, um, and you've kind of mentioned this, but they're kind of, like challenging the stereotypes as well. Oh, yes. Yes, most definitely. I would love to know how you took care of yourself or how do you take care of yourself? And what was your self-care routine as you were getting ready for the for the trip? I mean, what were you doing? Well, I, I normally like to spend a lot of time outside anyways. You know, we, we live in such a beautiful weather state, but I... Um, did running. I participated in a couple 5K runs, so that forced me to train um, for those. On weekends, I would hike like five to six miles. I take my dogs because I was told you got to get used to being on your feet for a long time, right? Because you're walking a couple hours a day. Um, I do belong to a gym, and so during the week, I would try to get to the gym and I'd find the cardio machine, like the elliptical and I don't know the names of all of them, but I try to put it like at the steepest setting because I knew my legs were going to be climbing a lot of steps. So I wanted to make sure I did a lot of cardio. 
cut out alcohol for about two months prior. During the trek, I mean, for me, the main things, I made sure I was hydrated. I drank about three liters of water a day. I had a camel pack uh, with a bladder with the hose so I could easily drink water that way. I also hydrated with electrolytes. It made sure I, you know, ate, ate healthy and then uh, sleep. <laughs> like you don't have a whole lot of time. There's no, uh, you know, watching a movie or watching TV during the trek. So I just tried to make sure I, I got to bed most nights by 8 p.m. and woke up about 6 a.m. Um, other stuff I saw my doctor before I went. You know, just to make sure, uh, you know, I was healthy. I did get a prescription for Diamox, which is a prescription to prevent altitude sickness. I also took like extra vitamin C and iron, as well as a multivitamin, just just to keep me healthy. And then also, that's kind of the self-care, but also I made sure um, that I, I, I planned and I packed stuff like cold medicine you know, Vaseline, Band-Aids, um, stuff like that, so that if I had any illnesses while I was there, I had the medicines right on me and wouldn't have to go search them out in the next little rural town somewhere. Yeah, I would imagine. Now, Cindy, I've never done a trek like that at all, but I can imagine there was there was some sort of process to get you prepared. So and I think, you know, people listening who may be inspired to go hiking you know can learn from what you what you did oh, yeah you, yeah you should follow a, a you know a packing list that's put on by your tour provider I went with Himalayan pole tracks and they had a packing list that I followed and just reading um, you know blogs and YouTube videos and listening to what others who had done the trek you know what what they packed they're, they're really good videos out there to watch and that's what I used as my education so I could pack and have a successful trip. Anything you want is on YouTube. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I would love to just jump over real quick and, and ask you, what are three to five leadership skills you drew on from hiking to Everest Base Camp? Mm, good question. Well, as a leader, you have to have perseverance, courage, and confidence. And the perseverance I used, like, you know, maybe after so many days you're getting burned out or maybe you don't feel well and you're just like, oh, I could just turn around now and go back. I, I, I don't need to go to the top. I'm good here. But it's like, no. You kind of got to check yourself and go, no, you signed up for this trip. You have a goal to reach and you're going to do it. Okay, so um, courage, you know, be, being a leader, it takes courage to to be a good leader, a good guide for your employees, for your team to you know, represent your company, courage to sp speak up, you know, make decisions. You know, I had fears. I, I had looked at these YouTube videos and I saw people crossing suspension bridges that were swaying, that were high up above a moving river. Yeah, that scared me. Um, but 
I had to pull that courage up from the bottom of my stomach and, okay, cross the first bridge. After that, the bridges weren't scary to me anymore. The last leadership skill, you know, confidence. I really had to pull from confidence. So, you know, at work, I use it to to take action, to to show my, you know, subject matter uh, expertise on what I'm discussing or a point I'm trying to make. So, you know, starting off that trip, you had to have confidence that, that you're going to make it through each day, confidence that you have done all the training, physical training um, and preparation, that you'll have a successful trip, and confidence to say, you know what, I am an athlete. You know, I may not, you know, be an Olympic or some award winner uh, athlete, but in, in my own mind, I'm an athlete and I can do this trek. Mm, I love that, Cindy. And I think, I think just saying it to yourself, I am an athlete, makes it real. Yeah, yeah. And the other one, you know, that I, I, I think of that and, and I've talked about is resilience. Because, you know, embracing change and being open to new possibilities, because I am sure every day was a new possibility for you. Oh, yes. Re- resilience when the, there's too high of winds and your plane can't take off. Okay, no problem. We just stay in this town. We, we had an awesome guide that took care of situations like that. Or resilience when... The people in the room next door talking all night and you're trying to sleep, just like, okay, let's just, let me just block that noise out. Or, of course, you just knock on the wall and say, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you had to have lots of patience (laughs) to deal with other charges. Yes. Patience is a good one as well. yes. (laughs) (laughs) I am really curious now, what are one or two simple pleasures that you are enjoying now that you're back home? Okay, well, when I first got back, um, it was American TV. (laughs) Um, When I was in Kathmandu, that was a a higher-end hotel, so we we had cable TV, but most of the channels were um, Nepalese, and so I I found like one... one American channel speaking, you know, English. So I was glad to come back and like, where I could understand the language, you know, on the TV and watch the news. I enjoy like on a weekend having my hot tea in the morning and like reading. So before I get started with the day or my chores and walking the dogs and work, working out, etc. I just kind of like that quiet time to sip my tea and do some reading and reflection. Yeah, those those simple, ordinary things that we just take for granted are the ones, the activities that we love the most and just kind of settle us into our, into our hearts to get ready yes. for the day. Now, I usually ask this at the beginning, but let me ask you now, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you? Well, for me, I think it means living in the present, not dwelling in the past. You know, I had done some self-discovery on that topic and 
having gratitude for the gifts that God has given me, accepting what I have, embracing my age, making the most of what, what physical abilities do I have right now, and how can I uh, go explore, if I have vacation time, how can I go explore and, and use those physical abilities? I don't want to put off doing um, an activity and say, oh, I'll do that when I retire. Well, maybe I won't have the physical capacity when I retire. So I'm trying to take advantage of that now. So I guess overall, exploring the seasons of life, really just um, taking advantage and doing things now versus putting things off. Yeah, it's 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 really a little bit of what I'm hearing you say. It's when you're being present right now and doing what you can right now without waiting to that next season, which next season could be retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, you're being present. Yeah, exactly. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her about the season of life you're in right now, the Cindy of, of June 2023? Well, I'm going to say, I know you thought that you'd be married at age 26 with 2.5 kids and a dog <laughs> and that, that plan, but that's not how life worked out for you, but it's okay. You're going to be divorced and childless but you're going to have eight awesome nieces and nephews and two dogs that you're, you're a dog mom to. You're going to be climbing mountains in your 50s. Um, you're going to be happy with your life and li- living your best life. Mm, so, I love that. <laughs> that's what I would say. <laughs> All right, Cindy. What's next? Any particular um, travel destinations that you've got in the works? Any place you're planning on going? I'm going to do some hiking um, actually this month in Colorado. Um, Just a short weekend trip, hopefully get to Rocky Mountain National Park, which is gorgeous. Um, And actually just two days ago, I signed up to hike the Camino de Santiago um, trek, which is in Spain. And that'll be uh, spring of next year. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I want to let you know that everybody that I have been talking to recently have been saying that's the next um, hike that they want to take. And and I have actually have been talking to my um, brother and sister-in-law about that as well. Now, I don't know. It's not going to be next year, but that is something that's – in the horizon. Yep. And that's why I was like really interested about what you were doing for, you know, to get ready and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I just found out about it from a, um, a good girlfriend of mine uh, back in Wisconsin. We had talked about, you know, hiking adventures. And she said, hey, my church is doing a, a trip over there. And so I'll get some more information and send it to you. And I got it and I signed up the same night <laughs> I got it because I, I wanted to get a spot. Out of curiosity, how many days is that? Um, I think it's 10 days. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, because I've, I've started looking online and, you know, they awesome. they range from that seven to 30 day yeah. range. So I was just curious what yours were. Yeah, if I uh, was not working, then I might consider a longer trip, but I'm just going to do the 10 day, 10 day trek. Well, awesome. Hope to see you on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate it. And do you have any parting words for our listeners? Seize the day and get out there and start hiking, even if it's just a walk in your local park. Be out with nature and it's going to bring you so much peace. Mm, love that. All right, Cindy, okay. thank you so much. Great. Nice, Nice chatting with you. Bye-bye. All right, my friends, it's time to wrap up this episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I hope you found inspiration and guidance in our conversation. Remember to visit CynthiaMacMillan.com for the links and resources mentioned today. Until we meet again next time, I encourage you to keep embracing the ever-changing seasons of your life. Learn from the past, embrace the present, and look forward to the future. And always remember to prioritize self-care and self-love. You are truly worthy of all the wonderful things that life has to offer.